series called Headspace. Amen. And uh, man, I'm so excited about this because it is such an uh, important thing that is affecting so many people's lives today, right? Amen. Um, and, and, and I believe, you know, the way that we need to deal with this is we need to find out what the Word says, and let's grab hold of the truth so that we can overcome whatever it is that we're facing. And, and you, you know, sometimes I think if, if we're not careful, we just learn to, um, oh, what would you call it? We just learn to, to just accept what it is and just kind of do our best with it. And I want you to know that the, the Bible doesn't tell you to just settle. Come on. The Bible tells us that we're overcomers. It says that we have victory in Christ. That doesn't mean that everything goes perfect, and it doesn't mean we don't have challenges. But um, you and I standing around hoping that God will do something about it is not the answer in itself. We look to Jesus. He's the answer, but we have some responsibility because he wrote us a whole book. Come on. Amen. And he's given us his spirit, and he's given us all things the Bible says that pertain to life and godliness. And so as we look into this series, uh, I'm just really excited about it. And, and, and listen, I encourage you. You say, well, I'm not dealing with that. You're going to find out uh, it's, it's going to be connected on so many different levels that you're going to realize that this series is going to speak to something in your life. Amen. And, and it's not to get on to you. It is to bring freedom and liberty, right? How many of you are enjoying the freedom groups that we have going on right now? Man, well, well, what are we doing? We just study in the Word, look into the Word to find out what the Word says, because that's the truth of the matter. And once we grab hold of the truth, that brings freedom in our lives. Amen. So today we start Headspace. I want to encourage you to continue to let your friends know about it, invite people that you know, uh, maybe be struggling with it. Uh, they can catch it online. We welcome you if you're joining us online today. Um, but I believe that this series is really going to be a blessing to you. And so I'm just excited because this isn't a series that I'm doing uh, by myself. Uh, I brought in a resident expert in the matter. Amen? Hallelujah. Those of you know, we've got our own Pastor Kevin here. Um, but officially, it's Dr. Kevin Chapman, right? Come on. Y'all give him a... So... As you know, he's a licensed clinical psychologist, right? So the things we're talking about, this is what he deals with day in and day out. This is part of his specialty, fear, anxiety. Listen, he's an anxiety, he's known as an anxiety expert. So this isn't just trying to throw some things out there and hope something sticks. This is going to be some very specific things that you can grab hold of uh, that people pay big money to get, right? Amen. Uh, they, they, they have to go and make an appointment and do that, and, and you're getting it for a very sharp discount. <laughs> so, um, but he's the founder and director of the Kentucky Center for Anxiety and Related Disorders. Uh, he's had stuff published uh, in national um, uh, periodicals, if you want to say it that way. He could probably tell you which ones. They are, um, but he, he, he doesn't wear a badge on himself telling everybody what he does. Amen. He's just soon be Kevin uh, to us. We call him affectionately K-Chap 
because, you know, my son's name is Kevin, so we had to differentiate somehow, right? Um, but for this series, it's going to be Dr. Kevin, right? And it's because I really believe God has given him some insight, given him some wisdom, given him some things um, that he's going to be able to share with us to show you that everything's founded on biblical truth, right? And, and that's what I love about it and love about what he does. So y'all give him a warm welcome for being here with us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'll let you say hello while well, I'm Amen. How many of you guys are, have a biblical worldview? <laughs> I hope so. And the ones that didn't raise your hand, we can pray after. Um, <laughs> but I'm excited about this for a lot of reasons. Like Pastor Rob said, I don't go by Kevin. So you know, I say I wear my cape during the day and I'm just Kevin. Y'all know me as Kevin, right? But this is really important because I'm on assignment. And, you know, the Lord stared Pastor Rob's heart in this regard. And, you know, he wanted me to help him with the series. So, you know, I've been really praying about it, meditating in the Word about it. And I really think that there's some very simple truths in the Word of God that will unlock some things for you today and throughout this series if you really pay attention. This is, we're not going to sugarcoat anything. We're not going to just kind of give general concepts. We're going to really go deep, right, and talk about the things that many of us struggle with, but many people that we care about struggle with as well, and really talk about the foundation there. And the one thing I'll say, Pastor Rob, then I'll look, because I could preach this, <laughs> is how many of you all know to understand your future, you have to understand your present. And to understand your present, you must understand your past. So we're going to start there in a bit. So I just want to thank you guys for being here, and just really pay attention, because I think we'll get into some really um, important content. Amen. Amen. Right. Man. Hallelujah. Well, I want to give you really uh, just an opening foundation real quick uh, as far as what God's put on my heart and we've talked about. Uh, you know, it, it's one thing just to put a bunch of information out. It's another thing for you to have an end in mind, right? The Bible says God knows the end from the beginning. He didn't just start with the beginning. He looked at what he wanted and he backed up and he put everything in place to make that happen. And so for this series, um, one of the stories, and I just want to start with this, is Mark chapter 4. Um, it's where Jesus and the disciples, they've, they've finished ministering and they're getting into the boat. And I know you know the story. And Jesus says, let us go to the other side, right? And so they get in the boat and the disciples are there and and they're headed out to go to the other side. They're headed on their assignment, right? They're headed to, to, to the next place. And so on their journey, Jesus lays down in the boat and falls asleep, right? So how many in here are deep sleepers? Like if a hurricane came or, or something, you know, you, you might just sleep right through it, right? Well, Jesus is asleep in the boat. The Bible says the stern of the boat. And the, a storm arises, right? And that storm is, is not just a little light wind. It's not, you know, just a little line of thunderstorms. It is a storm, right, of, of, of huge proportion and magnitude. So that storm comes and the disciples start to freak out over it. They start to worry because waves are crashing in and over the boat. And the Bible says that the boat is filling up with water. And so the, the, the disciples are here with Jesus, 
and they go and, and, and I could just imagine, you know, they go and they're, they're shaking him and, and, and waking him up. I, I, I would think that in their thought process, they're like, how, how could he be sleeping right now? How could he be in a position to have the ability to sleep? Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't this affect him? Doesn't this uh, uh, have an impact upon him right now? But he, yet he's asleep when they go and wake him. And, and they're like, master, don't you care that our, our ship is sinking, if you will? Don't you care that the waves, are, don't you care that this storm is coming and we're on the brink of, of losing the boat, losing our lives? Don't you care? And the Bible says that Jesus, he, he got up, he rebuked the wind and the waves. And then he asked them the question. He said, why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful? Why, why, well, how is it that, that, that you have such little faith? And, you know, you think about Jesus rebuking the storm, and, and, and I think that's a whole different and powerful truth that we can walk in and the authority of Jesus and what he did. But one of the questions that I want to know, and I believe that we're going to answer and help you with, is how is it that Jesus was able to sleep in the middle of a storm? How was it that he wasn't wringing his hands, wondering what to do? He, that, that, that he wasn't yelling at the disciples saying, grab some buckets because we're going down. How is it that he wasn't consumed with fear or worry or, or, or anxiety or, or any of those things? He was able to sleep in the midst of a storm. And what God's put in my heart concerning this is that it's because Jesus had a different mindset. He had a different mindset. Jesus thought differently. Jesus didn't have just some scriptures memorized to pull out whenever he was facing something. Jesus' whole pattern and, and, and the way that he thought was different than the disciples. And so in our life, the Bible says in its two scriptures, 1 Corinthians 2.16 and I want to encourage you, you can go back and read the whole chapter, but it says, who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? It says, but we have the mind of Christ. And I want you to see something through this series is that you and I have the capacity to have the mind of Christ and think like Jesus did. Because Jesus didn't think like man about anything. He didn't think about money the way man thinks about it. He didn't think about sickness or death the way man thinks about it. He didn't think about the storm the way men think about it. Everything that he did, his thoughts were different. But yet the Bible says we get to think the way he thinks. We can grab hold of that through his word. In Philippians 2.5, it says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. So through the word of God and through the truth that's going to be shared, you and I can begin to see the pattern of thinking that we can grab hold of. And if you and I will do that, it'll change everything. Because many people think, well, you know, I have just, you know, a, a, a money issue or I have a relationship issue or I have a sickness issue or I have that. And those things can be true, but those are symptoms. Many of the times, it's, the fact is, is that we have a way of thinking that needs to change, that needs to line up with the Word of God. 
And so as Pastor Kevin, as Dr. Kevin said today, you need to listen and lean into it and grab hold of it because God's going to speak to your heart by the Holy Ghost to help you and I grab hold of the truths of the Word of God so that we can think different. Amen? So as we jump in here, what's going to happen is I'm just going to ask him a few questions and then basically I'm going to let him kind of go from there. Amen? So one of the first things, and, and I encourage you, if you don't have the notes, you can go to the Church Center app, look up Covenant Life, and you can find the notes there. Uh, they're available. Um, but the Bible says in the beginning, right? And, and as he said, you've got to understand your past. So this is something that the Lord has really downloaded in him uh, by the Holy Ghost to bring some understanding. So it's some things that God has shown you about the fall of man. You know, we talk about that in general, but we're going to get real specific about at least one of the areas that has an impact upon our lives. And so I want you to, to uh, introduce that and introduce about temperament and, you know, having, uh, whether it's a neuroticism or a, a neurotic, neurotic mindset. So I'm going to just turn it over to you for that. Amen. All right. So grab a hold of this, church. This is important. I think that when we think about how many of y'all have ever heard of an emotional disorder, let's say social anxiety or panic attacks, right, or depression or um, OCD, right, agoraphobia, a phobia. Is this, all, is this familiar to everybody? Amen. Okay. So when we think about the things we see in the world, emotional disorders, because we oftentimes talk about the Word of God and we talk about Scripture, we talk about these things, and some people be, are always thinking, well, wait a second. I understand mindset. I understand Jesus thought a certain way. I understand da-da-da-da-da-da-da. I know I got to change the way I think. But how many of you all know that there are just people in this world who struggle with those conditions? Yeah. Like, so I want to be very clear, all right, and set some things straight, and Pastor Robert agrees with this, is that there are diagnoses in, these world, in this world. I see it every day. There are people who have a tendency to struggle with things more so than other people. Amen? All right. So, okay, are we on the same page? But I think what's so important to understand and what Pastor Rob has served up for me in this regard is that if you look at Genesis chapter 2, when we talk about the, in the beginning and the fall of man, we oftentimes talk about the fall of man. But what the Holy Spirit has really revealed to me in this regard is as you think about what we see, what some of you all struggle with, with some of your loved ones and what they struggle with, we can see where it started pretty clearly if you open up your eyes and your heart, all right? So I just want to kind of massage some things a bit here and go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. It's the very last scripture, the very last scripture of that chapter. We can throw that up. And look at this. This is very simple, but it's very subtle, but the Holy Spirit is speaking in this regard. It says, talking about Adam and Eve, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. I want you to think about that. That seems very subtle, but that's very important because it's relevant to where we are today with the things we see people struggling with. It says they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. So something stands out here in this scripture. Then we'll jump into Genesis 3, and then we'll jump into some things that, that we want to really get into. Is that word ashamed was never in the Bible before that? Are y'all following me? So there was not a concept, right? in the eyes of God, of a shame or shame, because that was not something that was generally created for us to experience. Are y'all following me? Are y'all with me? 
Okay, so it says they were not ashamed. But as we know, there's the tree of life and there's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? So let's go to Genesis chapter 3, and then we'll jump into the, the main, the meat here of what the Holy Spirit was really revealing. Particularly, yeah. So watch this, starting in verse 7. This is so incredibly powerful. It says, then, so when they partook of the, the fruit, right? Then, the eyes of both of them were open, meaning there was something they didn't know before, right? And they knew that they were naked. Remember what it said in verse 25. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. I want you to think about that. Anybody ever struggle with embarrassment and shame? That implies that somebody's watching me now and I don't want them watching me. Y'all see that? Watch this. So they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. How many of y'all know that as believers, it's so important to note that that's supposed to be something that's a sign of safety. That's supposed to be something that's a sign of love. That's supposed to be something, if I hear God walking, right, that that's something to comfort me. Right. Are y'all following me, yeah. church? Okay. Now watch this, though. It says, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, I want you all to note something very important here. We already established that, again, we talked about emotional disorders. We'll get into those specifically as we go throughout the series, all right? But today is really important because it's about foundation because, again, to know your present, you have to understand your past. We struggle today with many of the conditions that we have because we know we live in a fallen world, right? right? But I want you to notice why and where it all began, and then it will help you hopefully make some sense as to what we struggle with today and how we get out of that because that's our goal for the series, amen? But look at what it says. It says there was no shame. Now all of a sudden, when they partook of the fruit, they knew they were naked. The thing that represented safety, God, they perceived as dangerous. They avoided it, and yet it led to them feeling more shame. Is anybody hearing me this morning? Mm -hmm. That's good. So if we can throw that graphic up, I want you to note something real quick, and I'll, I'll kind of try to lay it out if you can't see it. So here's what we got in the garden in the beginning. We got God being present. We got Adam and Eve perceiving God, thoughts of danger, like, oh, God's present. That's dangerous. Follow me. They got distressed. We can call that anxiety. We can call that fear. We'll be breaking those concepts down because there is a difference. That led to avoidance, so they hid themselves. Do y'all see that? And how many of y'all know that when you avoid something, it does provide you with temporary relief? Is somebody hearing me this morning? It does provide you with temporary relief. So it's like saying, if I'm afraid to go in a situation where there's a lot of people, if I don't go to it, I temporarily feel good about that, right? But what happens once you think about it? You feel worse. Y'all notice that? So avoidance, which leads to more distress. Now, this is in the beginning. Y'all see that? And what I would argue here is that this can translate very easily now to what we see, because Pastor Rob already said that there's a mindset that Christ had. Well, how many of y'all are noticing right now that there was a mindset created in the beginning once Adam and Eve partook 
from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Is anybody seeing that this morning? Something happened at that moment. So if we want to talk about the fall of man as it relates to emotions, what I would argue is that this is the beginning of what we call temperament. And temperament, there are certain temperaments are ways of responding to things that help us make sense of the world and things like that. And anybody, anybody ever heard of something called being neurotic? Anybody know what neurotic is? But believe it or not, most people don't really understand what neurotic really means. And we're going to break that down in a second. But watch this. So notice God. Notice the thoughts. Notice the distress. Notice the avoidance. Notice the more distress. If you go to the, ne the next slide, this is what it looks like for us today. Replace God. You can put God there with any situation. Anything that you encounter that's not dangerous. It's the same thing. Many people who struggle today view God as, oh, no. But you can replace that with going into a crowded place, which is not dangerous, or going into a tight space, which is not dangerous, going to talk to a lot of people, which is not dangerous. Oh, you know, a bunch of birds or, you know, an elevator, you name it. Oh, I'm going to get this disease if I touch this toilet seat, right? Something that is not meant to be dangerous all of a sudden becomes dangerous. And it all started, are y'all seeing this? With the mindset that was adapted once man fell. So what I'm getting at here, am I getting ahead of myself, Pastor Rob, no, with the neuroticism? We're good. We no, good? We're, we're good. Okay. <laughs> so I say that to say that this is a very important point that we want to illustrate throughout everything we're going to talk about in this series, because if you want to write something down, this is what we call neuroticism. And let me define that for you. Okay. Many people who struggle with emotional disorders, many people who struggle with depression, many people who struggle with anxiety, many people who struggle with panic, many people who struggle with things in this world, right? It all started there. So what was passed down to many of us, right, is this idea that some people experience negative emotions frequently and they view the world as dangerous and that they can't cope with it. That is what leads to what we call emotional disorders. And much of that is passed down. Is this making sense? So what I'm tr we're trying to establish some foundation here so that you can see that the problem is that it doesn't matter what we call the diagnosis because it all comes from one source. It all comes from this one tendency that started in the fall of me viewing things that aren't dangerous. And my parents passed it down, right, in many cases, because they also had it passed down. Are y'all following me? Notice if you have an anxious kid, you tend to have an anxious parent. Is anybody seeing this? Mm -hmm. Amen? Yep. So what I'm saying is that what was passed down at the fall is this idea that um, I'm having certain emotions, and I view certain things that aren't dangerous as dangerous. It all started in the garden, right? And I'm trying to feel better in ways that backfire and make me feel worse. What am I saying spiritually? What I'm saying spiritually with that, church, is this. Many people who struggle with things, the first place they don't come is church. Is anybody following me? Mm -hmm. So we'll avoid it. Oh, I didn't go. I didn't feel like it. Oh, da, 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 da. 
but it backfires, and now they're worse off than they were when they avoided it. When I don't go give that speech, I feel better, but it backfires, and now I'm more anxious about giving speech. Is anybody following me this yeah, morning? Yeah. Amen? Is this making sense? So what I'm saying, again, foundation, is that what's passed, on, passed down from, I guess, generation to generation is this idea that neuroticism. I have strong emotions, negative emotions. I view the world as dangerous, and I can't cope with it. And I hope y'all see that spiritually, because that's literally what took place. And that's why, depending on what you learn in your environment, that's why people develop disorder. There's a certain focus on that distress, whether it be cotton balls or elevators or giving a speech or tight spaces or depression and things like that. It's I learn through interacting with my world, which God did not create it that way. Amen. He didn't create it that way. But if I don't get reprogrammed, then I accept that as who I am. And y'all know the beauty of this, y'all? And, and the science is this. You can reprogram that. And this is the irony of that. Like, a lot of psychologists and mental health professionals who aren't even believers are confirming what the Word of God says about reprogramming things. And that's the part I hope you all are understanding is that, and that's what Pastor Rob and I are going to get into, is that we can reprogram temperament. So when people, when y'all walk around and many people walk around and say things like, well, that's just how I am. I'm just anxious. My nerves are bad. I'm here to tell you right now, I see it on a regular basis with believers and non-believers, that that is something that is meant to be reprogrammed. You can change temperament. So don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Is this making sense? Okay, and we will get into that. All right, I'll pause. No, that's good. <laughs> Man, that's powerful. Come on. In, in light of that, as a pastor, and I know you see it because you're part of the pastoral team, but even as relates to the church, whether it's witnessing, serving, and all of those things, those all can be impacted because of a wrong mindset or wrong programming. And I think sometimes we think, hey, I come and get saved, and, and I'm changed inwardly. We're going to lead into the next part. I'm changed inwardly because I'm born again. But if I don't reprogram this, then everything that I see in regards to the church and that relationship with God, my relationship with other believers, my relationship in the kingdom itself is skewed, or I see it because I'm looking at it from a uh, place of that's not been reprogrammed. I'm looking at it from that place that they ended up in, 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 from the fall, that I'm looking at those things from that mindset. And so now I'm anxious about like you said, being in church, I'm anxious about other people or, or different things, and, and, and I'm struggling with those thought patterns, and it's because I'm not reprogramming my mind to line up with what God's done on the inside so that it lines up with what Jesus did on the cross, which is to bring restoration of what was taken away or what happened in the garden. You see, you see the process, and we're going to get to that you know, but, but I want you to understand that's what we're after. We're, we're not after just something Jesus came and, and he came to restore. And so we don't have to stay stuck. It's a decision. 
And, and, and it, it's, it's a choice. As he said, you, you, can, you can choose to say this is the way I am, or you can choose to say, no, Jesus paid a price for me, and there's principles in the word that I can renew so that I don't have to stay the way that I am. And that applies to anybody on any level, because you've talked to me about it, that even in severe cases, that can still be answered. It may take a little more effort, but it can still be answered. Amen. So that leads into um, the part about us. We are, the Bible says, a three-part being. First Thessalonians 5.23 talks about that, that, that we are a spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body. And it's important when we're looking at this that you see and understand that we are a three-part being. Because if you don't see and understand how to differentiate the things, then what happens is, is everything gets lumped in together and you start, you start taking on um, those traits of fear or anxiety or worry or, or, or any of that. You take that on in your life because you think, well, that's just the way I am as a believer. We're talking about as a believer. But, but when you're born again, you're recreated in Christ perfect in, in, in your spirit. You see what I'm saying? And so I'll give you a quick example, um, just dealing with prayer. You know, I, I struggled, I used to struggle with prayer. And I would just say, you know, I just don't like prayer or, you know, I just struggle with this and, and, and had a hard time with it. You know, and, and one day the Lord showed me, because the Bible says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And that differentiating helped me understand that it wasn't me that didn't like prayer. It wasn't my spirit. My spirit was hungry for truth and, and right in prayer and fellowship with God. It was my flesh. And then my mindset was wrong. But when those things get reprogrammed, then I get to enjoy prayer instead of it being something that is a burden or something that I'm uh, anxious about or struggle with. Does that make sense? So that's important in our life. So looking at that three part being for spirit, soul, and body, but you um, had written down, we, we've been sharing notes about um, our uh, emotions and having three parts in that arena. So let's talk about that for a minute. You know, this is a very simple truth, but it's so important. Are y'all still with us in terms of what we said about how Pastor Rob is saying how we have in it the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, right? We have a new born-again spirit, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, and we have a new program on the inside of us. The key now is learning how to draw that out. Does that make sense? All right. So it's really interesting because it's by design, but most people struggle, and many of y'all who know me personally, y'all know I talk about this quite a bit because it's such a hang-up that I have because Again, people always say, you know, what you don't know won't, won't hurt you, and that is not true. What you don't know will kill you. So it's important to understand, those of you all who know G.I. Joe, it says knowing is half the battle, right? And knowing is, is half the battle, but you got to be able to process that and change things. So one very important point to make, and I'm not splitting hairs here, is that anytime you experience an emotion, and Pastor Rob and I are going to go through emotions, we're going to talk about it, and there's scripture literally for any emotion you experience. I mean, quite literally. Disgust, anger, sadness, anxiety, fear. And I just want to say one point as a preview. We're going to talk about this in another message, but 
Anxiety and fear and worry are not the same thing. Just to be clear. And most people don't know that, but you got to know that, right? Just like that, emotions also have three parts. And this is so important. So if you're writing, taking notes, please write this down. Because most people confuse feelings with emotions. How many would agree with that? Well, I've always thought they're the same thing. Well, they're not the same thing. In fact, let me tell you this. Feelings are really a part of an emotion. So emotions have three parts. Part one, they have feelings. But feelings really are just the physical sensations in your body. So if somebody says feelings, really what they're describing is what their heart's doing, what their breathing is doing, what their stomach is doing, right? Lightheadedness, dizziness, things like that. Butterflies in the stomach, really, which is your digestion slowing down, but we'll get to that. Sweating, all of those are feelings. Are y'all with me? So we got to describe things correctly. Feelings are physical sensations. That's one part of an emotion. The second part of an emotion, and Pastor Rob knows all about this part, and we're going to talk a lot about this, and that's the thinking component. The thoughts that I, have in my, that I say to myself about what's happening, and that is arguably the most important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? We can spout, spout off 50 scriptures that's on that exactly one. exactly right. So the thinking component, what I say to myself, that's a part of the emotion. And then finally, this is also powerful, it's the behavior component. What I do. Any emotion you experience, anger, frustration, sadness, fear, anxiety, worry, etc., all, and I do mean all, have the same three components. That sounds so simple, but I promise you that it is a powerful revelation in how you have to learn, okay, first of all, this is where it happened in the fall. Got it. Second of all, this, these things were passed down but I'm a born-again believer, and I can reprogram this. Got it. Third of all, I have emotions, and I struggle with certain emotions, but now I'm realizing that any emotion that I have has three parts. Thoughts, physical sensations or feelings, and behaviors. Is that making sense? So please understand that because that understanding is going to help us, help you navigate how to deal with things in this world that comes against us. But first of all, we have to get some terms straight. Does that make sense? Okay, so again, feelings are really physical sensations. So when we say, I felt angry that you said, really what you're saying is, that's the physical <laughs> symptoms you had. My pulse is rising. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so understand that the words you speak matter because you have to understand what you're really saying. All right? Amen. That's, that's so good. You know, it seems like a lot, but really there's simplicity there. And the more you understand, and that's why it's so important to stay tuned, the more you grab hold and understand, it's going to be repeated in everything as far as facing these things. You're going to go back and get that repeated every time. So it's going to get in you so that it becomes just part of your second nature. And it's not always you sitting down trying to analyze everything, right? So. He talked about reprogramming, so let's jump on that for a minute, because as he said, the word is really clear about reprogramming, transforming our mind, changing the way that we think, and, and there's, there's a pattern in the word to be able to do that. And, you know, you think about reprogram, um, he, he actually is the one that introduced that term to me, 
you know, I, I just think of it as renewing the mind, but you're actually going in and changing so much more than just what you think about. You see what I'm saying? You're actually going in, it's kind of like your computer. I can change the interface all day long, but if I really want to bring change, I, can, I have to actually go into the language of the programming and reprogram it so that it changes its functionality. And I think there's a lot of believers that what happens is we don't spend time in the Word, we don't spend time reprogramming, and we spend a lot of time dressing up the interface, but yet when you input the information, it's we still struggle with how we handle it because the program hasn't changed. Does that make sense? So uh, we know Romans 12.2, amen, Ephesians 4.23, but let's just speak real quick to that as far as how that reprogramming speaks to these things. So when we think about reprogramming, again, if y'all don't mind throwing that, that huge slide up there again, that'd be helpful. But as we think about how reprogramming works, and you can, yeah, go to that one. Thank you. Perfect. This is the process that we established already, right? This is what I would basically call neuroticism, this tendency toward experiencing these emotions and then viewing them as threatening, the world is dangerous, and I can't deal with it. That's basically neuroticism in a nutshell. And that's passed on. Again, one quick thing I'll say is that if you have an anxious parent, a kid who has an anxious parent is up to seven times more likely than a kid of a non-anxious parent to develop an anxiety disorder. It absolutely runs in families. But what's passed down is two things, that tendency toward neuroticism. It's the things parents say in front of their kid Right. That communicates danger and threat, right? And it's the things they say with the kid interprets as gospel, right? It's like, well, if my mom says that, then that must mean. If my dad says this, this must mean. And what's passed down is that tendency. That's what's inherited. And based on what they learn, that's what they get diagnosed with. Is this making sense? Okay. So with that being said, the beauty of that is that scientifically, we know, and we know scripturally, that when you reprogram or renew your mind by changing thinking patterns, by changing behavior or action tendencies, by not avoiding things, by confronting things, by taking thoughts captive, by doing those things, did you know that that literally leads to what we call neuroplasticity? Basically, you're changing brain circuitry. You're changing the way that your neurotransmitters in your brain function. And you are literally a new person. Is anybody ca catching that? You literally are becoming your own antidepressant. That's good. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, that's, this is what I tell people. Amen. Is you literally are becoming your own antidepressant. In other words, when you reprogram yourself by intentionally changing thinking patterns and changing your action and responding differently to things happening to you, you literally scientifically are changing how your brain functions. You create new memories, which is a message. <laughs> You're creating new ways of thinking, which is a message. You're creating your behavioral patterns, which is a message. And you're changing your temperament. In other words, you're not neurotic anymore, which started in the garden. Have y'all following me? Okay, so, so I guess I'd say that to say, Pastor Rob, that the way that works is that when you're intentional, just like in therapy, when you're intentional as a believer and reading the word and getting that in your heart 
and literally changing the way you think and being intentional, even though I'm uncomfortable, I'm still going to go. Even if I don't feel like doing this, I'm still going to go. That changes your brain chemistry, and all of a sudden you want to go. That's how it works. So you literally are a new creation, which is what the scripture says. And so, man, man, that's so good. Um, So, you know, one of the things that comes to mind with what you just said, as far as changing the way you're thinking and saying, I'm going to go even though I don't feel like it. So then that actually comes and, and begins the change of habit. I know we just would open up a whole nother can there, but you're actually reprogramming. So your habit is actually changing, but, but it's like it's working here and working there and it works together. And the reason I say that is because how many of you uh, would be willing to admit that um, you've missed, you know, maybe say during COVID, maybe when at the highest point, as far as the effect on gatherings, you know, you miss church a few times in a row. Anybody here willing to admit? And then how difficult was it when it came time to go back? You see what I'm saying? And, and that's part of what he's saying there in the reprogramming because so many things become habitual in, in any way. I don't, I don't want to necessarily open that up, but would you agree with that? Yeah, and the, and the real brief thing I'll say, you know, open up a door. So I'm 20 <laughs> no, go, seconds. Go ahead. We're good. To, Somebody's going to write this down. <laughs> to change a habit, there's three things you need to understand to Pastor Rob's point. Number one, you got to know what the trigger is, cue, right? The, the cue, your response, and what the reward is. Any habit can be changed. But you have to understand those three parts of a habit. The cue, what triggers it, your response to the habit, right, the, the cue, and then the reward. And when you alter your response and have a reward associated with it, that's how you do deep brain change to change a habit. We'll get into that, but somebody write that down. Cue, response, reward. If you don't know what you're up against, you can't change it. If you don't know what an emotion's comprised of, you can't change it. If you don't know where, where it happened and what neuroticism is, you can't change it. What you know will liberate you. Amen? Amen. Um, I, I mean, that's the scripture. It says you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. I mean, when you get in and you, you take this, you know, there, I look at two sides to it. Um, Dr. Kevin could sit down with an unbeliever and teach them to reprogram their natural mind, right? But I want you to understand something today is that you, uh, if, if Jesus Christ is your Lord, you're born again, you're not an unbeliever, bless you. And, um, what happens is, is that you're reprogramming your mind, but it's not merely a natural process. There's a supernatural element that comes into that, that helps you and comes alongside. I this scripture where the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. Jesus said he'd take everything that belongs to me. That's not stuff. It includes his ways his thinking patterns. It includes uh, living as a believer and thinking, and he will make it known to you. So I want to encourage you that even as we're talking about this, there is the part of, of that reprogramming, and, it, and it'll work for even an unbeliever. But it is so much, even to me, and you can correct me on this, more powerful for a believer because you have the component of the Holy Spirit and the living Word of God. It's not just information. 
And I, and I say that because to me, that is so powerful in our life. If we will not look at reading the Bible, you know, um, um, meditating on the word and those things is just a natural process. It's not. There are natural elements, but there is a supernatural part of that. And it brings a supernatural outflow in our life as far as the things of God. So last thing we want to touch on uh, real quick, and that is um, Proverbs 44.23 talks about keeping our heart. The Bible says with all diligence for out of it flows what the issues of life. And so I'm going to get you to speak briefly to, um, to the heart and what that means because you alluded to it earlier as far as the heart of man and, and what, what all that involves. Yeah, so when I think of the heart of man, right, we said that we're a three-part being, spirit, soul, body, right? The heart, based on the terminology we're using, is really your conscious awareness of what you're, how you're processing information. So it's saying keeping your heart, the things you're paying attention to, the things, the information you're processing, the things you're watching, the things that you're listening to, are you paying attention to what the word says? Because it says out of it flows the issues of life, right? So what I'm paying attention to is what's going to influence, and many of you have heard me say this before, but what I pay attention to is what's going to influence what emotions I experience. Does that make sense? So it's so incredibly important to recognize that the issues of life out of it flow that, Know that what I'm paying attention to and what I'm taking in and how I'm processing that, that's going to either lead to more negative emotional experiences or it's going to lead me down a path of being able to not only get closer to God, but to reprogram these things that we're trying to establish today. Amen? So one of the things that we're going to get into at some point is we'll break down some terminology and stuff just so that you can understand that these things we call emotional disorders are rampant in our society. The only statistic I'll say right now is that 40 million people a year, just in the United States, are diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. 40 million. Wow. wow. 40 million. One in four people. Right? And that's kids and adults. But if you understand what we're saying today, this is going to help us navigate those things. So I just say that to say that, you know, reprogramming requires us to pay attention to the heart. What that means is what we're paying attention to on a regular basis, what we're allowing into our minds, what we're thinking about throughout the day. It, it really reinforces what memories we have, right? And that's really important to, to consider. Amen. Damn, that's just so good. So good. Um, you know, when we look at these things, and, and there's so much groundwork, at times that needs to be laid for us to begin to grab hold of things. And so my heart is, and I know it's Pastor Kevin's heart, um, is, is the takeaway is you need to know that to me one of the most significant things is, is that you can change. That, that's, that's the simplistic part of this, is that you can change. You can change the way you think. You can change your emotions. You can change your responses, your behavior. You can change, you know, certain things, you know, are, are triggers and maybe you can't change everything, but I can certainly change how I respond to everything. And that's a choice, you, you know, so that's the big takeaway today. And, and with that is that with 
Jesus in your life, (laughs) that changes everything and it opens up a whole new world of capacity. Because here's the thing, without Jesus, you don't get back to the beginning, you can only get back to the fall. You see what I'm saying? So you can deal with things and you can cope to a certain degree, but you'll never truly overcome or see a true freedom in your life, right? Now, I know that he, he works with people and they plenty of success stories for those that are unbelievers, but I want you to understand because there's so much more to our world than just what we see. There's also the realm of the unseen and we have an adversary, so there's a, more things that can play into it, but I want you to know that you can change, right? That you have that capacity and that that change begins with knowing Jesus. And, and when you are born again, it opens up a whole new world of possibility for you and a loving relationship to where now I don't just get to go back to uh, or deal with the fall of man. I actually get back to walking with God in the cool of the day and not being ashamed and not avoiding him, but being able to embrace him to where I don't live in fear of that anymore. Amen. 